Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Today, I got to talk about the ugliness of what the Russians are doing invading Ukraine, what that's going to mean for our economy and for the world economy. I also have important news on the home front about technology including the disruption people are feeling because of an obsolete technology called 3G going away that's in a lot of things we don't even think about what kind of cellular they operate under, but now it's affecting our lives, what we drive, our safety, the rest. And also, believe it or not, Apple, Google, and Amazon are working together on something and it doesn't even violate any trust laws. I'm going to tell you how it could benefit you. So if you've listened to me for long enough, you know I've always had uh, hatred, which is a strong word, for Putin. I've always considered him to be a lower form of life and a disgusting excuse for a human being. And gosh, eventually... I'm proven right, huh? And what's going on in Europe seems so remote to us, so far away. And what role do we have to play? Why does it even involve us? And I'm going to leave the geopolitical discussion to others. But Putin is a snake. And the timing for him was really perfect with the divisions going on in the United States where we're having trouble getting along with each other. And in addition, the shortages of energy in the world, because Russia is a petro-dictatorship, this is really, really a strong time for Putin to strike when the world is on the ropes with shortages of energy. And so... It's hard in the midst of the initial action of an invasion to say what the effects are going to be on the economy, but there are things that are pretty obvious. Let's start with the stock market. Ever since it became steadily more clear that Russia was going to start a war in Europe, the U.S. stock market and others overseas have been suffering. Capitalists hate uncertainty, hate it. And you already have, at least in the case of most of the U.S. stock market, values that were inflated by historical measures. We had been on an incredible run from April of 2009 when the stock market hit its prior low to recently the stock market had gone up, 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 and away. 
And so it was priced for beyond perfection. You take the uncertainty involved with what the Russians are up to, and it gives people a reason to say, you know what? I'm overexposed here. I got too much action here, and I don't know what things are going to look like going forward. And that's why you've seen these big, big losses trading day after trading day. But wait, there's more. Because even if we didn't have Ukraine going on, we also have the issues of the federal government having, in COVID, pumped too much money into the economy. And now the Federal Reserve is tripping all over itself trying to undo having done what in hindsight looks like too much. And by the way, that's armchair quarterbacking in every sense of the word because if you go back two years ago when it looked like the world was headed into a worldwide depression, it was the pumping of money into the economy by the U.S. Congress and by the Federal Reserve that kept the economy from tumbling into an abyss. And the problem is you never know when you've done too much. And now, obviously, it's pretty clear that we overshot with how much money the Congress put into the economy and, in addition, everything the Federal Reserve did to try to keep the economy um, from going under or capsizing. So that has led is one of the factors to the inflation we've been having is that there's been too much money chasing too few things we can purchase. Classic definition of inflation. That, in turn, is the Federal Reserve starts pulling back as you're going to see people in Congress say, you know what, it's really a problem. We have a $30 trillion national deficit. It was $20 trillion five years ago. So where the federal government, both in physical policy and with some of its monetary policy, was doing everything it could to pump up the economy, now it's going the other way. Instead of adding more punch to the bowl, we're pulling punch away and no cookies either. So that has an effect on what's happening with the stock market. Then energy supplies. The great tool that dictator Putin has to wield is starving Europe of energy. And that is going to disrupt energy markets of all kinds around the world because we're not in a time of surplus of refined energy products. We're in a time of shortage. So let me make clear, none of this is the end of the world, but we are in a new chapter in the U.S. economy. And it's my belief that the fundamentals of the U.S. economy are strong enough that we will come through this okay. We are going to have clearly declines in the stock market. We are going to have real questions about what happens with energy costs and supplies this year. And one of the things that this points out is the countries in the world that are much further along in electrifying their motor vehicle fleets 
are going to suffer less harm from what's going on with the uncertain supplies of gasoline in the world than we are. We are we're kind of a laggard in the world in converting to electrification. We're getting there, but we are significantly behind others. Because you think about it, if you drive an electric vehicle, you don't have to worry about what Putin's manipulations would do to you pulling into a gas station and the price is 25 cents higher than it was when you filled up last week per gallon. And as we go through this process, it's going to be a natural process of electrification. Then we're going to pull more power away from petrostates. And that's nothing but good for the world and the stability of the world. And again, talking about this stuff right now instantly is really at some level a fool's errand because you never know once war or conflict starts how it plays out, how it ends. But making the best guesses I can, just know that you fasten your seatbelt with what you have in your 401k. Roth IRA or investments and remember why you're in it and when you need the money. So nothing I said is about you. Oh no, the market's going to tank because blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to get out. Uh Uh-uh. Getting out is not, that's a knee jerk reaction, not a choice because it's all about when you need the money. And if you were mid-career, this means nothing. Because 10, 20 years from now, this is all going to be a blip what happens today. If you have money you're not going to need for a number of years, you ignore it. And you just ride along because ultimately being an owner is the best way to build wealth. And we are a proxy of an owner. We're kind of like an owner when we own little pieces of hundreds or thousands of companies inside plans or our 401ks or Roth IRAs or investment accounts. And so you know that over time, wealth flows to owners, and that's where you need to be. There are lean years, there are great years, and there are years in between. And with investing, this is more likely to be a lean year. Krista? All right, we'll go to some questions now. This one's from Bill in Georgia. Recently, unbeknownst to us, a tenant of ours listed and was renting our condominium on Airbnb. This was a violation of their lease as well as the HOA rules, and the HOA is now fining us. Is there a way to prevent this? So, Bill, there were a number of situations over the last couple of years that I've dealt with where tenants renting from a condo owner we're doing prohibited things. And under condominium rules, you as the owner of the unit are the one who suffers the financial harm. Now, you then have the right to seek the penalties that your association is assessing of you from your tenant. But it's not just, hey, I got fined $600, you owe me $600. You may, in fact, have to sue your tenant. You also, because um, eviction moratoriums are over in the United States, pretty much everywhere, you may find that your next step is you need to go through the eviction process to evict this tenant and then seek 
an action against the tenant that you can do in small claims court for the costs that you've incurred because of the improper actions that violate the condominium rules that have cost you money and reputation with the condominium association where you live. Now, just because you sue your tenant, get them out first. Just because you sue them, odds are you'll win a judgment. Collecting that judgment is the hard part. If your tenant has a regular job, it's pretty easy to uh, go through the process of getting at their money. If they don't have a regular job, let's say they live by being an Airbnb host, it's really difficult for you to get back that money as a practical matter. Can you keep the security deposit if it's more than that? Oh, you can keep the security deposit. I mean, obviously in a case like this, but once you've gone through all the, the fighting with the eviction, odds are it's going to take you a while to get the eviction done and they won't have paid rent through that point once they know you're already going after an eviction. So it's an, it's an ugly, ugly situation. And by the way, this is happening in every major metro area in the country that people are renting condominiums and then operating them as against the rules or even potentially illegal Airbnb properties and landlords need to be really aware that the leases you do as a condo owner need to state explicitly that short-term rentals or subleases are expressly prohibited and maybe even a penalty that they're agreeing to is a daily fine there would be a huge daily fine if they are engaging in such behavior again that could even be illegal where your condominium is located. And this is from Pamela in Oregon. I invested about a million dollars in a Vanguard 2035 target retirement fund after selling a house in 2019. I thought I understood how it worked and was willing to pay taxes on normal capital gains, interest, and dividends. I also understand that stocks are risky. I never imagined that Vanguard would change the structure of their accounts so that there would be a mass exodus of institutional investors from my fund leaving smaller investors such as myself with massive capital gains that were never even realized. Do you know how I can be informed about possible class action lawsuits for this unethical behavior? And is it unethical? Yes. What Vanguard did was completely uh, brain dead and terrible. Uh, This gets really esoteric, but I've read a lot about this in the financial and investing media. So Vanguard, um, in order to keep the costs down for big institutional investors and their target retirement funds, split people off from their traditional shares and left what are known as embedded capital gains behind for a smaller number of people to have to pay. That They were like phantom gains on their accounts. Now, most money and target retirement funds is invested only through IRAs, Roth IRAs, 401ks. There's a small segment of people, but a significant segment like you, Pamela, who invested in a regular investment account. And as a result, Vanguard's terrible, terrible decision has cost you, the way they did it, is what cost you and others so much money on gains that they're called phantom gains because you never got them 
but you're taxed on them as if you did. So it's as to whether there are going to be class action lawsuits, whether it is something that the courts would entertain as an action against Vanguard, that's way above uh, my head. But I will tell you that this has happened to enough people I've heard from that will post on Clark.com if and when there are class action lawsuits that you and others might want to join. And I, you know, I talked recently and I, I read a write-up that we did on Clark.com about uh, me talking about some of the things at Vanguard that I felt they're not doing how they should. And I don't know what's happened with the leadership at Vanguard that they do seem to be pretty tone deaf right now to the needs and wants of smaller investors. Now, what's funny is Pamela is thinking, smaller investor, I have a million dollars in this. Mm -hmm. But in Vanguard's world, they are now the second largest financial house worldwide. And so they're chasing the shiny object, which are the huge institutional investors and the rest. And regular ordinary investors sometimes are falling through the cracks at Vanguard. And this is an example where they didn't really look and what the consequences were going to be for their account holders, which is especially strange because Vanguard is essentially a credit union for investing, and it's very, very odd misbehavior on their part. Are they still one of your favorite children? They're still one of my favorite children, but they're in timeout time for out. sure. <laughs> okay. I mean, I even believed in spanking my children. So go ahead, you can go post oh why I'm a horrible person. But Vanguard definitely deserves a spanking right now. And so we will we'll keep you updated, Pamela, on Clark.com if something does happen. So I want to talk about some stuff going on right now, good and bad, involving the tech that you own and you use and how no fault of your own, some things suddenly aren't going to work. And then other things that don't work well together suddenly you're going to start working better together. It's a mixed bag, good and bad for you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. A couple of months ago, I addressed on the podcast what was going on with AT&T 
shutting down their 3G network. Something that you're like, I see all these ads for 5G. I didn't know there was still 3G. Well, there's a huge number of things in what's considered to be the IoT, the Internet of Things, that run on 3G. A lot of cars. In fact, there's a long, 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 long list that USA Today put out because a lot of the cars suddenly the smart features of your car stopped working today for a lot of brands, a lot of people, because AT&T has shut off their network. Verizon and T-Mobile have delayed it to give automakers and others an opportunity to update their equipment and provide to their customers alternative means with LTE or 5G for technology to still work. So a lot of safety features and a lot of car models that depended on AT&T's 3G network no longer work as of today. And even if they're with Verizon and T-Mobile, the time will come, they won't work. And the automakers didn't really think this through uh, because here's the problem is that you buy a car and a car stays on the road on average, I think, 14 years now. Well, technology over a 14-year period, think about where were cell phones 14 years ago? Wait a minute. Did the, the first iPhone come out 14 years ago? Was it 2008, maybe? I'm trying to remember when the original iPhone came out. I mean, you think about how much a part of our lives these devices are and all the technology we use and how it's continued to change but cars once a car is made typically that's it what year was it krista 2007 so i was wrong i was off a year i'm sorry all right so 15 years ago not we forgive 14. you you do forgive me yeah all right so we have other things though as an example burglar alarms A lot of burglar alarms stopped working today because they needed a new cellular card in them to continue working. Now, on the burglar alarm front, if you have a legacy burglar alarm that runs on 3G, you're probably with one of those legacy companies that does those hideous, awful contracts. The burglar alarm industry has changed enormously in the last five years. A lot of really high-quality, advanced, self-installed burglar alarms are available now. Many operate over the um, internet that you would have in your home or business rather than cellular, and they are a viable alternative for you to look at. In other words, instead of updating an old, old burglar alarm that operates on 3G with one of those legacy companies that do those hideous contracts, Maybe this is the time that you update to a modern burglar alarm that's non-contract that will have a much lower cost of monitoring per month. As an example, Amazon deeply subsidizes burglar alarms for a whole different business reason. And they have the ring systems, and I think the monitoring paid a year at a time is $8 a month, much cheaper than it usually is. And there are any of a number of companies now that have very advanced, simple to self-install burglar alarm systems that you can put in yourself. 
Here's another area. If you have an aging relative, a parent, who's on one of those, I've fallen and I can't get up things, those medic alert things, most of those systems operated on 3G. And they are, if the 3G was supplied by AT&T, they're dead today. So know that there's a lot of new technology with those two. And this might be a time that you upgrade and update to a new, better, cheaper system than what you have been using for monitoring for now. Um, The cars, though, the cars are a tough thing because you are dependent on your automaker choosing to do something about it instead of shrugging their shoulders. And the USA Today long list made it clear some automakers are like, oh, well, go buy a new car. Good luck with that right now. And others are like, okay, so we have this system, this workaround. We're going to do this, that, or the other. But just know that some of the safety technology you depend on may have stopped working when you got up this morning. Oh, I didn't talk about the good stuff. I'll be real quick with the good stuff because I I went on and on about the 3G. Sorry. Okay. This is so weird. Apple, Amazon, and Google. Walk into a bar. Walk into a bar, yes. (laughs) And the three of them... All drank light beer. No, they walk into a bar. And they are part of an industry development where they've come up with a new standard that allows devices to all talk to each other. And you may be shocked that Apple would be one of the participants in it because Apple's always been around its walled garden. But Apple is selling a lot less add-on peripheral devices because of the lack of interoperability with so many other things. And so they've joined in as well. And this is not like a pie-in-the-sky thing. This is real. Devices are going to be able to communicate with each other, even if they are from different providers, and it'll all happen behind the scenes. You are not going to have to figure out how to make your things work together. They're automatically going to work together. And they came up with just a, a, a word that everybody could live with. The standard is called MATTER, M-A-T-T-E-R. And this is something that is going to steadily roll out through 22 that various devices will work together regardless of what technology on. So Krista's on an Android, I'm on an Android, we would be able, if Apple had some kind of smart light bulb Mm -hmm. that was really, really cool and we wanted to have it, we'd be able on our Android to give a command and the Apple light bulb would respond just as if we were on an iPhone and vice versa in all companies. Since our families are all on Apple... Your your family and mine, right? Everybody's on Apple. Everybody's on Apple except I mean, we're the only independent thinkers. <laughs> we're the only creative so source. So they have to have Apple devices. We we our phones can work with them and then vice versa. Yeah, so it's something. not it's not true interoperability because Apple is continuing to keep iMessage behind a walled garden. Mm-hmm. There'll be other things Apple keeps behind a walled garden. But Apple 
has had to make concessions to the marketplace, like the terrible, terrible stories with the crimes that are taking place because of the Apple AirTags, Mm -hmm. that Apple now has come up with an Android app so that Android users will know when they're being stalked and things like that, and when somebody's marked their car for car theft and things, all kinds of things. So you can only do so many things in your own orbit and matter is part of everybody realizing that trying to be proprietary shrunk the market for everybody and now they're going to with matter create a simple behind the scenes thing that will allow you and me as customers to use devices from all different companies with whatever technology we already have and that is Something I should never do. I'm promising that a technology that's coming is going to be beautiful and wonderful. (laughs) How many times have I done that and said that? Over the years, it's like hope over experience. Well, I feel like you're you've, you're often exactly right on the mark with it. So really, all right, let's go to some questions. <laughs> Steve in Texas says we've lived at the same address for about 22 years. We started getting junk mail with someone else's name. I did a search on this name and couldn't find anyone with that name close by. I told my wife this may be some type of scam or maybe a mistake. What if any precautions should I take? So, Steve, it could be a completely innocent thing. It's also possible that it is someone engaging in what's known as synthetic identity theft. Synthetic identity theft is something that is a very sophisticated form of identity theft where somebody uses your address, your social security number, but a completely made-up name, a John Doe, Jane Doe kind of name, is a way to fool the anti-fraud systems at banks and credit card issuers to apply for credit that ultimately reflects on your credit report. I remember years ago, Barron's Magazine did a cover story about how uh, synthetic identity thieves were targeting ultra-wealthy Wall Street people because they had like fantastic credit scores and incomes and And they were fooling the system by not using the name of the individual they were targeting. And it was just going right through the credit reporting system and the fraud systems at the banks. So synthetic identity theft has been around for a while. It requires a more sophisticated criminal. And I'm not going to give out more detail about how the criminals do it. But what you need to do is immediately for uh, you and your wife sign up for Credit Karma, monitor your credit there, and if you've not done so, freeze the credit files for both of you at all three credit bureaus. That will be of some help to you with a synthetic identity thief. If you notice weird stuff, though, already appearing on either of your credit reports, it means you've already been hit by a synthetic identity thief and you're going to have to start working to try to clear up your reputation. But the credit monitoring you get for free from Credit Karma that must be established first before you freeze your credit will give you the ability to see if there are attempts to steal your identity underway and the credit freeze should stop any 
a synthetic thief from being able to establish credit is if you're you. The um, credit freeze is free, easy to set up, and when you or your wife do need to apply for credit, easy to temporarily thaw to apply for that credit. It has no impact on your existing credit. From Dan in Ohio, I love the show and all you, your staff, and volunteers do. I had a question about going to college. My wife has her master's and is a teacher in the field she thought she'd like, but now wants to go back to school for nursing. What is your rule about going to school, public versus private versus community college? There's something about making so much in a year versus debt. Thanks for all you do. So, Dan, your wife is so in demand right now in nursing, and that's not going away. I mean, the nursing shortage is so great because so many people who were mid to late career nurses said, this is no fun anymore, and quit over the last couple of years because conditions became brutal to be a nurse, uh, particularly in a hospital setting. So the opportunity is enormous. The rule that I have is the back of the envelope rule is that you never borrow as much for a degree as, more than you would earn the first year on a job. Now, figuring out what you're going to make as a nurse, as an RN, first year on a job is really hard right now because the pay levels have been all over the place because of the nursing shortage. But again, even if the shortage eases, it's not going away. But as far as a nursing program, you may find that a major hospital center near where you live in Ohio will actually cover the cost of your wife's tuition in return for so many years of work after completing nursing school. That's how badly so many hospitals need nurses right now is they may even offer uh, almost like a reverse scholarship that you pay for the nursing program while you're taking it. And then once you start working, that they take off um, or forgive your student loans for you year by year that you remain. It is a situation where your wife will be in the catbird seat. All right. And from William in Tennessee, please explain your thought process about going on cruises when you have a family rule of not eating out in restaurants. I appreciate your common sense approach to most things, but this seems contradictory. I'm asking because I'll try to use your logic to convince my wife to travel with me. Although she is vaccine boosted, she is very cautious about doing anything that involves being around people. She doesn't have any underlying conditions and is 67. And what about flying? Do you wear a mask religiously? Please tell me more about how you handle these things. So um, let's handle the last question first. I wear a KN95, which is considered to be the best protection. And um, I wear it all the time in public places. And I do fly regularly. My greatest danger flying is at the gate waiting for a flight to depart because the air circulation on an aircraft, on most aircraft, is advanced enough that the air is actually safer for me with someone as close as Krista and I are right now. What are we, like six inches apart? You don't have that much room from each other on an airplane. You're, no. you're like And you talk with your hands. Yeah. yeah, I do talk <laughs> with my hands. So the flying doesn't really phase me. And I've been flying on average every week lately somewhere. The cruise. 
Okay. So how did we decide to go on a cruise, the first cruise to sail from a U.S. port, June of last year? The reason is, is that the cruise was on Celebrity, and they required that everybody be vaxxed and everybody take a uh, COVID test before boarding the ship. We're going on a cruise very soon for our son's spring break. He just loves cruises. And again, the cruise line requires, this is Royal Caribbean, requires that uh, everybody be vaxxed except really young kids who have to have a PCR test. And everybody who's vaxxed has to also have a test, a uh, COVID test, less than 48 hours before departure. So, and in certain public spaces, you have to wear a mask on the ship. When I'm out and about, you know the odds. You've got a one in three chance, almost, not quite one in three, that someone next to you will not be vaccinated and that they will be a higher risk to you getting COVID. On the cruise ship, 100% of the crew and 100% of the passengers above age five, I think it is, five or 11, are vaxxed, 100%. So it's an environment where everything in life involves a calculation of risk. Do you go out and drive on a freeway? Uh, do you cross the street at, you know, at a crosswalk or do you jaywalk? Everything in life involves risk, and it's important to live life and I know for people who think COVID is just a big joke that you think I'm nuts, but there are many of us who are very, very careful. I have a number of pre-existing conditions. I'll be 67 soon, and it's important that I take reasonable precautions. And so I make a judgment like that. And so being on a cruise ship with everybody vaxxed, I feel safe to take that trip. And I could be fooling myself. Who knows? But every single person in my family has had COVID but me. <laughs> you may have had it and you just didn't know. Or I may have just the greatest Incredible. immune system yeah. ever and I've had two vaxes and I've been boosted and all that. And so, uh, who knows? And everybody has to make their own decision about this stuff. But I want to thank you for making the decision you've made today for being a part of Team Clark by joining us on today's podcast. And if you've enjoyed it, hope you'll subscribe, review us if you'd wish, and share what we have here for you with your friends. 